the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 208 for May 23rd, 2010. EVDO Rev B shows up, using your phone while traveling, and how about a nice cup of Froyo on these warm spring days? My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, available now in the iTunes store for $1.99. First today, we're gearing up for the expected announcement of the new iPhone just two short weeks away. And while a neurotic, compulsive phone-buying nature creates a pile of soon-to-be-unused accessories you can potentially gain from our cell phone junkiness. That's right, we're starting the first of two contests today, each with a prize pack of iPhone 3G or 3GS-related accessories. This week, we've got four items in the pack. First, the Z-Boost YX230 in-car cell phone signal booster, which will help decrease your dead zones and use your phone in areas where you couldn't before. Next, the Richard Solo 1800 smart battery backup, keeping your iPhone or iPod charged up after the battery that's built in dies on it. Third, the OtterBox Defender case for the iPhone 3G and 3GS, protecting your device in even the roughest conditions. And finally, the Energizer Energy to Go charger, allowing you to use two AA batteries that give you a power to your device when you need it most. Retail value of this contest over $250. To enter, all you need to do is to be a TCPJ Unlocked subscriber. So if you're not a subscriber, head over to thecellphonejunkie.com. Follow the link on the right side to get signed up. International listeners, you're eligible for this one too. So if you've been thinking about subscribing, now is the time to do so. One random subscriber will be announced on next week's show. Next, I received the BlackBerry Bold 9650 in for review from Sprint. And I'll be spending the next few weeks with it before I write up my formal review. Wanted to take a few minutes to talk about initial impressions with this piece of hardware. So the BlackBerry uh, Bold here, this is the revision of the tour. So if you've got a tour on either Sprint or Verizon, this is essentially the next iteration for you. They dropped the tour branding and went with the Bold branding. And if you're familiar with the 9700 series that's on both AT&T and T-Mobile here in the U.S., uh, it's essentially the same Bold, yet it looks uh, a tad different. The styling of it is more tour than Bold, honestly. The back of it is not leather. It's just your standard kind of rubber, grippy rubber design on it. The keyboard is still very nice. The screen is beautiful on it. Uh, It does have quite a bit of heft to it, as the Bold line is known for. Um, The speed of this device is one thing that I noticed that is probably... I don't know, one of the most annoying things for me so far, and, and, and just not finding it nearly as fast as the original 9700 bolds were. So I'm not sure if that's just an issue with what I have uh, for service here, which is Sprint, and, and, and it's the, I've got terrible Sprint service, to be honest, and it just bounces back and forth between the 1X and the EVDO, or if it's something else, I've been trying to do some testing to isolate that using it on Wi-Fi only and whatnot, but for whatever reason, the speed kind of seems to be the Achilles heel for it at this point. Uh, like I said, though, the form factor is very nice. The keyboard is fantastic. I use a, an 8530 Curve on a regular basis. That's the newer version of the Curve, and I've got that one with me every single day, and to move from that to this keyboard on the on the new bold here is 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 so nice. It's a they've done a great job with that. So I do like the keyboard very much. 
As far as features on it, if you've got a tour, uh, you're familiar with most of the built-in things, though this one does have Wi-Fi in it. also has that 3.2 megapixel camera with a flash in it, which is a very nice camera. This one also has 512 megs of memory in it. This is the first BlackBerry to make that upgrade from the 256. So out of the box, it comes with over 300 megs available for installation of applications and also storage on the device, which is very high for the BlackBerry line. For those that have BlackBerries, you know that you have been uh, have been definitely restricted by the amount of memory on this. And uh, so the 512 is very nice. Also, something that Joey and I figured out earlier this week, and this was, was Joey's thought to ask, ask me to do this, is that this is a world device. So it does have a SIM card slot in it, and you can use it roaming around the world. comes with a Sprint SIM card built into it, which is always kind of funny to look at. But what, the, what you can do then is uh, take this device, take the SIM card out, and pop in any SIM card. It doesn't matter who it is. AT&T, T-Mobile, I used uh, one from TrueFone. And it is unlocked, so you can use any SIM card in it. Granted, it will only use 3G bands if you are outside of the U.S., so you've got to have the 2100 megahertz for uh, the taking use of 3G built into it. But it did pull up Edge on the device and was able to make a phone call. So kudos to you, Joey, for, for uh, reminding me of that one. But overall, this device, you know, like I said, I'll hit a formal review of it in the next couple of weeks, uh, but I want to get some more time with it. Overall, I would say it's, it, it's a pretty good device, and for those that have been waiting to make an upgrade, uh, this is probably the one for you. Cool. I, you know, I really do like that form factor. I mean, it basically now kind of has all the, the, the current latest generation features all into one device now that they've, they, they kind of, they were kind of fragmented with the, the latest curve and the latest tour. They just weren't exactly the way they should be because the latest curve has Wi-Fi, but the tour doesn't. The latest curve doesn't have EVDO Rev A and the cur- latest curve has the optical trackpad, whereas the tour didn't have that either. So it, there were kind of like there were some advantages to the curve that the tour didn't have, which doesn't make any sense if you have a quote unquote flagship product. So now everything that you've got in the, the current generation E530 is now available in the new bolts. So that's what's uh, pretty neat about that. You know, some of your, uh, you know, the lagginess could be because of your low signal area. I'd, I'd, hopefully they can fix that up with the software update. It seems like every time you get a new BlackBerry out, the first software generation is a little rough around the edges. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's one of the big things too, is, is just seeing what they've been doing with the OS. I mean, it's come from, uh, you know, it's, this is essentially a revision of BlackBerry, was it 4.7, which was revision of BlackBerry 4.5. I mean, it's just, they just keep building on top of this thing. And so as it, it kind of just gets bloated, I guess is a, the best way to put it. But it is nice to to be able to see that you've got so much memory on it, you can install a lot of applications. And I think I've got a good five or six on here so far. And um, you know, obviously not very many, um, but the ones that I use regularly, obviously the Google talk for, you know, instant messaging, uh, WhatsApp is a great application for those that want to do, uh, free messaging between devices such as iPhones. There's also an application for Blackberry, so You can message people for free with that, uh, as well as Google voice, getting that integrated. The, the Twitter client that Blackberry has out there, Foursquare, Slacker, uh, Slingbox, you know, all these fun applications. They, they, they are, they are easy to install and I've, you know, uh, I like the BlackBerry app world. It, it makes it very convenient to do a lot of this stuff. One thing also that I'm trying with this one, I've never tried with a BlackBerry, is uh, using a service called PDA Net. And this is not new for those that have 
have liked to uh, tether your devices in the past, but PDA-Net allows for either USB or Bluetooth tethering uh, with the device. You can't do the Wi-Fi thing where you take and you make your own mobile hotspot, but uh, Bluetooth still seems to fit the bill as far as what I'm looking to do, which is essentially launch uh, this application on the phone itself and then go onto your computer and do a connection. On the Mac, it's pretty easy. Uh, you just go in and you, you set up a Bluetooth connection uh, to connect to the device, and then you set up a, essentially a new network, uh, 3G network with it. Uh, it. It takes two seconds. It sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. And uh, then you're, you're off and running. You just hit connect, and you're tethered. And it works really well. Uh, so far, so good. Like I said, um, this is the first for me with the BlackBerry, so I'll be hopefully testing this out a little bit this week as I'm you know, off, you know, out and about doing my thing. But one thing I will say though, is I don't think I'm ever going to see speeds as high as this thing is capable of, because with the Bluetooth, you're restricted to essentially one megasecond, which, although I don't know that I'd ever see that with Sprint, but certainly could get a little bit higher. It certainly can Mickey, because I, I saw a storm two tethering on Verizon's official and I was getting a sustained 1.3 megabit uh, on mm-hmm. a download. So um, yeah, it's definitely capable of more than that. Um, I now tried this with the 8530 Sprint curve and could not get the connection to work i don't know if it was the phone restricting it or something was crazy but it just i, I tried every single different modem driver possible and i just could not get that one to, to work for me yeah we'll have to compare notes here because it, it, it's pretty pretty simple here so we'll see what's going on with that but anyway nonetheless if you're looking for a new blackberry on the sprint network this one was just announced this past week and so if you want to pick it up you can head over to sprint.com and again, we'll be doing an official review on it within the next couple of weeks. Also this week in well, was the Zag Spark, a portable power station, allowing for two USB devices to charge from it. It's a 6,000 milliamp hour battery, a 6,000 milliamp hours charges up to four iPhones on a single charge of this thing. So it, we'll see how it stacks up with some testing. Uh, but essentially all it is is just a, a brick and you plug things into it. So, uh, but kind of a, a neat thing, a different way of going about it. It's a more of a universal thing than getting specific devices that have to plug into say mini USB or micro USB ports. So we'll see how that one works. And finally, coming up this Tuesday, TCPJ Unlocked show number 51 will be released. We're talking about EVDO Rev B, simultaneous voice and data over Rev A and what that actually means, and also what's happening with the LTE upgrades from the different carriers. So make sure you're subscribed to get it. And of course, if you're interested in winning our contest, you need to be subscribed. So head on over to the cellphonejunkie.com to do so. In the news this week, for the first quarter of 2010, Handset shipments rose by nearly 14% year-over-year, according to iSupply. While Android shipments are rising, even the popular Droid can't seem to save the continuous fall of Motorola's market share. They fell two slots down to number eight. Nokia, Samsung, RIM, and Apple, on the other hand, all saw increases versus the year-ago quarter. Well, the FCC has said that they're adopting rules that would allow mobile broadband providers to offer services on a 25 megahertz band of spectrum that's been controversial because of interference concerns from satellite radio provider Sirius XM. At the FCC on Thursday voted to amend the wireless communications service spectrum rules to include mobile broadband uses in addition to fixed wireless service 
services previously permitted. The commission's action to free up the WCS spectrum for mobile broadband use is the first step in the plan to find 500 megahertz of spectrum for mobile broadband over the next 10 years, a goal outlined in the agency's national broadband plan that they released about two months ago. The WCS spectrum is in the 2.3 megahertz band, and it's surrounded by uh, use by SiriusXM to deliver its service, and complaints about potential interference have been levied by both the WCS owners and satellite radio operators since the late 90s when the FCC auctioned off both spectrums. Comcast and Bell South were among the big winners in the WCS spectrum back in 1997. This one, it could mean a lot of things. We've got 500 megahertz of spectrum that they're looking to find here across all sorts of different bands in the next 10 years. And and ultimately, it's going to create, hopefully, if the FCC has their way, a broadband plan that will allow for ubiquitous roaming on broadband across the entire country. And I think if we uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see this is the kind of the, the breakthrough for that, this first 25 megahertz uh, of spectrum that they're taking a look at. I do see an issue, though, here in the 2.3 megahertz band. This is definitely going to be uh, at a, this high frequency range is starting to get into territory where you've got to be very, very careful with how you implement a network because it, it the, the waves are getting very small at this point. And eventually they're going to be, you know, having issues penetrating buildings and and whatnot. So you're going to maybe see some problems with that. But nonetheless, this is 25 megahertz of spectrum off to a nice start for the FCC. Yeah. And well, you know, it's been kind of contentious because, you know, anybody who has adjacent spectrum knows that, you know, interference becomes an issue. And the the satellite radio um, terrestrial repeaters are pretty low power and they're they're fairly important because like in most major metro areas they have one or two of these so there's not there's not a lot of coverage as far as that goes so any interference they do experience will be pretty detrimental to the to the actual customer of uh sirius xm uh you know depending on which uh, network they're on and uh you know but with modern technology interference is becoming it, it, it's it's easier to mitigate as far as the you know the wireless uh, spectrum goes as far as the the, the broadband goes it, it'll be it'll probably be all right and i'm sure they'll they'll work with the spectrum holders to make sure they don't overlap well the fcc's goal is to make the wcs spectrum immediately available for mobile broadband while protecting services in adjacent bands so we'll see what they ultimately do with that but that is their intention also, the FCC has changed its stance on the competitive nature of the U.S. wireless market. Previously, they had labeled the U.S. as effectively competitive when it comes to mobile. And due to a, a lot of consolidation in the market over the past two years, the FCC now says some things are not right. They believe competition has dramatically eroded and is in serious danger of continuing Uh, consolidation and concentration in the wireless markets. The report on competition notes that the market has consolidated by one third since 2003, meaning consumers have fewer overall choices when it comes to wireless network operators and services. The two top network operators are AT&T and Verizon, and they hold 60% of the entire market in terms of subscribers and revenue. The FCC stopped short of saying it plans to introduce new regulations, but this new report and its findings lay the groundwork for such change. Interesting news there from the FCC that they are no longer happy 
with the way that mobile here is in the U.S. Well, the Washington State Patrol warned this past Friday that drivers who talk and text on their cell phones should expect a ticket come June 10th. No excuses will be sec- accepted and tickets will be handed out. If you're convicted, the fine $124. The State Patrol often has a grace period when new laws take effect, but not on this one. So if you're in the state of Washington, make sure that you're not talking or texting on a handheld phone after June 10th. During the keynote at this week's Google I.O. developer conference, they announced a new open source video format known as WebM. The royalty-free standard is said to be more efficient in consumption of power and device resources, which will allow it to work well on phones, tablets, and netbooks. Starting on May 19th, all videos uploaded to YouTube in 720p will use the new WebM standard, which is viewable through browsers such as Chrome, Firefox, and Opera. Broadcom announced that its VideoCore mobile multimedia processors will be capable of providing hardware acceleration for the WebM videos. Broadcom says that they have worked with Google and mobile devices will be able to play video for up to eight hours on the mobile screen or connect via HDMI for up to 14 hours of playback on a screen such as a television. Well, if you ever wanted to know why when you hear a cell phone conversation, it seems exceptionally annoying versus just a conversation between two people. American researchers think they have found the answer to this. According to scientists at Cornell, when only half of the conversation is overheard, it drains more attention and concentration than when hearing two people talking. According to one researcher, quote, we have less control to move away our attention from half a conversation when we're listening to a dialogue. Since half logs really are more distracting and you can't tune them out, this could explain why people are irritated. They have published this study in the journal psychological science. So Joey, I think that's a pretty interesting one. I'll tell you, whenever I'm around and someone is especially talking loud into a cell phone versus two people just talking loud to each other, it always seems very annoying. It really does. And it's got to be that broken, the fact that it's silent. And then you've got one person just talking to themselves and then it's silent. And then you got, it, it's a, it's a lot more broken than if you've got a conversation between two people. Also, I'm sure that's, you know, also part of it. Yeah. Bottom line, start texting a little bit more when you're in public. Stop talking (laughs) on your phone so much. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the International Trade Commission approved Google's proposed acquisition of AdMob, the mobile advertising firm, citing Apple's iAd platform as a competitive factor in reaching its decision. We'll see what Google does with AdMob. AT&T CEO Ralph De La Vega doesn't seem too concerned about the possible Verizon iPhone, reportedly laughing when questioned about an exclusive agreement running out. According to De La Vega, 80% of AT&T iPhone customers are on corporate or family plans and are historically less likely to switch. Quoting De La Vega, quote, I think the iPhone will be part of our portfolio and I think customers are still going to come and use it like we've done in the past. The WWDC Developer Conference kicks off on June 7th with an announcement of the new iPhone hardware expected that morning. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that AT&T is going to follow the Verizon wireless precedents and double its early termination fees. Starting June 1st, smartphones and laptops will carry a fee of $325 up from the previous $175 for canceling your contract early. The smartphone ETF will will fall by $10 per month every every month the customer stays in his or her contract. Feature phones will come uh, with an early termination fee of $150, which is actually down from the $175 where it sits today. The feature phone ETF will fall by $4 for each month the customer stays in her contract. 
The changes will only apply to new contracts signed June 1st or later and won't apply to anyone who's got an existing contact with the company. AT&T calls the change a fair approach and the changes go into effect weeks before that new version of the iPhone is set to go on sale. According to a report by Telecom Pragmatics, there may be some dissent among Verizon Wireless Management on what the next generation of networks will look like. The opposition to the planned LTE networks thinks that certain areas of the Verizon network will move to the currently unused EVDO RevB standard. The report also says that Sprint is now working on RevB networks, which could be upgraded from the currently current RevA standard with minimal investment and equipment changeout. If you'd like to hear more about the topic, listen to TCP. PJ unlocked show number 51 this week, which will discuss it in greater detail. At the Reuters Global Technology Summit this week, Verizon Chief Executive Lowell McAdam talked about three to five LTE devices coming to the Verizon network within the next 12 months. No specific hardware vendors were mentioned. However, he did say that, quote, I'd say all major manufacturers we're talking to today are making the transition to LTE. On a side note, McAdam mentioned that Motorola, HTC, LG, and RIM would all be uh, making LTE tablets for 2011. Well, will the Verizon iPhone be able to do simultaneous voice and data over a current 3G network? Uh, This one comes from Electronista, and they're talking about Verizon saying they're planning to put in a voice over Rev-A standard into the network that would allow uh, devices that are currently on uh, uh, these devices on the current Rev-A network to be able to take advantage of using data while they're on a phone call. Uh, This is something Joey and I also talked about on the Unlock show this week, you know, You've got phones out there on the Verizon network or the Sprint network, such as you know Blackberries, some of the Android devices and whatnot. And unless you're also connected to a Wi-Fi network, there is no way currently to have a voice call and carry on a data session. This technology would be a precursor to the voice over LTE standard that we will likely see coming from Verizon here in the next year. Uh, more on this, again, in the Unlock show, but a very interesting report from Electronista on what could happen for the next iPhone. Sprint recently indicated at a public event that it's evaluating future technological choices for its CDMA network. Sprint's VP of Device and Technology Development said, we want to feature-proof our network and we want to leverage all assets in such a way that it offers us the lowest cost per bit. Sprint said that it is open to LTE and Sprint's WiMAX partner Clearwire recently said that it will standardize on the best technology and can switch to LTE if it needs to. There's nothing that prevents us from moving to LTE said the Senior VP of Technology and Product Development at Sprint. Speaking at the LTE event, we're doing a technology evaluation and making a decision on our core network and how we want to evolve that going forward. Sprint has submitted a request for a proposal for many of the world's wireless uh, networking technology companies in order to evolve its current CDMA network. And if it were to switch from CDMA to LTE, it would be the fourth major U.S. carrier to choose the new standard. T-Mobile announced new prepaid calling plans this week. The first plan, unlimited text, costs $15 per month and includes, you guessed it, unlimited text, as well as voice calls for $0.10 per minute. The second plan, known as unlimited talk-in text, costs $50 per month and includes wait for it, unlimited voice and text with no per minute fees. Good news though, for those that are looking for prepaid calling plans on T-Mobile. T-Mobile also this week began offering its HSPA plus network access via the rocket USB laptop stick in parts of New York City, Long Island, and New Jersey. The network has the ability to connect users at speeds up to 21 megabits 
per second. Thanks to our first sponsor of the show, Netflix. We, uh, you can help support the Cell Phone Junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans starting at $4.99 per month. 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time. And as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for your free trial. Well, this weekend, I watched some Bill Ingvall comedy via DVD that I had received from Netflix in the mail, just what the doctor ordered after a rough week at the office. So good stuff there for me. I, Mickey, I uh, continued to watch X-Files. I'm uh, kind of a one note uh, here, unfortunately. <laughs> However, I do see there's a bunch of cool things I, I saw on the instantly new this week. I see a bunch of new South Park seasons and they have some Beavis and Butthead available to watch now instantly. And some Reno 911 more seasons are now available. So I'll be having some uh, new stuff here to watch this week. Yeah, always fun. There's always great stuff that's coming out. They never rest on their laurels. They're always releasing great stuff. And we love Netflix. They do a great job. And uh, obviously, anytime you're looking for something, you can always find it, whether it's a DVD just a day away or in the instant streaming online. Well, if you're interested in the WebOS on AT&T, but you're not a fan of the pre, the Palm Pixie Plus is headed to AT&T. There's a teaser page that states it'll be going on sale June 6th. No word yet on pricing or if it will come with the free touchstone that the pre has. According to the O2UK website, the Palm Pre Plus and Pixie Plus will be on their way to the United Kingdom before the end of the month. 18-month or two-year contract pricing for both devices was also released, starting at £49 and dropping to free based on your service plan. The guys over at XDA Developers spent the weekend poring over the details of the official Windows Phone 7 ROM and have seen references to what appears to be an upcoming device known as the HTC Mondrian. Specs appear to include a 4.3-inch WVGA display, 1.3 gigahertz Snapdragon processor, and 3G connectivity on CDMA. Today, T-Mobile announced two new colors for its T-Mobile BlackBerry family, the BlackBerry Curve 8520, coming now in both fuchsia red and also BlackBerry Bold 9700 with Wi-Fi calling now in flash white. The BlackBerry Curve 8520 fuchsia red is available online in select T-Mobile retail locations for $50 with a two-year service agreement. The Bold 9700 in white will be available on the 26th for $129 with a two-year agreement. Both these devices will have the software upgrade to 5.0.0.586. So make sure you pick one of these up if you're looking for a new BlackBerry on T-Mobile. The new BlackBerry Bold 9800 got some pictures released this week. Some great things coming with this one, too. Again, this is Joey's phone, I think. This is the slider BlackBerry. If you uh, remember, we talked about it just a few weeks ago where you've got a, a slide-out key, uh, keyboard underneath it. And, uh, Joey, I, I, this one's got a touchscreen on it, too, so it could, could definitely be for you. This is interesting. I, you know, I'd rather have the clamshell by far, Mickey. The slider, no, oh, that's not right. so much. That's However, right. this... Uh, you know, I had a theory a few weeks ago, Mickey, when we first saw OS 6, that we may see all BlackBerry OS 6 devices being touchscreens. And when we saw the pictures of the, the clamshell one, they didn't show anybody using a touchscreen. However, with some of the, the, the images of the OS we saw, that kind of led me to believe that was the case. And now that we see a touchscreen on this device, now I really think that I think uh, we, we may see all blackberry os 6 devices be touchscreens other than like the real low model um like curves or below 
I don't know how I thought it was a slider that you wanted. Of course, it's a clamshell. You've always had clamshells up yes. until the, the central. Anyway, uh, this one is the best I can describe it for those that have not seen these pictures. And link in the show notes if you want to check it out. It's kind of like a storm meets a pre meets a bold. So it's on screen, uh, obviously touch screen, so you don't have to slide it open to type on it. So you can type on it probably portrait or landscape the only picture we have here is showing it in landscape uh, but then it, it slides down a la pre style and uh, it's got a bold keyboard underneath it so it's uh, definitely uh, you know one, going to be one of the new uh, six os6 six devices here and uh, we'll see what happens with this one no uh, no specific details or anything other than it's a 9800 and uh, it's been all over uh, the web here today for the uh, for the 23rd. So check that one out in the show notes if you like Blackberries. The Nokia E73 mode coming to T-Mobile next month. This one uh, appears to be uh, a successor to the E72. If you've got an E72, uh, this one is it looks like a little bit a um, little bit smaller. Uh, it could potentially take over uh, for the spot that we saw in AT&T with the E71 and T-Mobile picking this one up. Looks like a release date sometime in mid-June. They mentioned June 16th as the date, so we'll see what happens with that one and then coming later in the month uh, to stores. So we'll see what happens uh, with that one here. But the E73 mode could be the next Symbian device for you on T-Mobile. Engadget released photos and specs this week of the HTC Wildfire. It's an Android 2.1 device running the same 528 megahertz processor as the Hero. The Wildfire has a 3.2-inch QVGA screen, 5-megapixel camera, and all the other standard features. Also this week, Virgin UK has come forward as the first carrier to officially support the Wildfire. Expected to have a price point of around €250, the Wildfire is slated to debut in Q3 of 2010. Well, Cox Cable has been working on putting together their own network here in certain parts of the United States. They've got test networks around in certain areas of uh, the Phoenix area, plus Southern California, among others. And someone picked up a Cox Cable, uh, or excuse me, a Cox Wireless Hero uh, on eBay. So this was an interesting one here. Uh, they, or excuse me, Craigslist. They purchased this Hero off Craigslist, which had Cox branding all over it. And this was a kind of a scary one, though. After uh, this person picked this one up, they took some pictures of it, sent it over to Android Central, who then posted them up. And uh, just a, a day or two later, the Cox folks showed up at this person's door and paid the person to take the hero back. So apparently what was happening, uh, they're giving these devices out to, I think, what they call friends and family to test out their networks. And so someone obviously decided they didn't want it anymore and sold it on Craigslist, or maybe someone lost it. And, you know, then the other person who found it sold it. However, it is, uh, it got into the hands of somebody who then got it leaked out here. So an Android device on Cox, we'll see what happens with this one and what eventually uh, happens with Cox. As a side note, I've been working back and forth with Cox to try and find out more information. They're being fairly secretive with it right now. And so I'm hoping to work with them as we get closer to the time when they want to launch uh, their devices and their network so we can get some exclusive information on that because it does look interesting. I'm a Cox Cable customer here. Uh, they're the primary cable operator in Arizona, so I would, I would greatly uh, love to see them where I can consolidate my phone bill by adding their wireless services on. The T-Mobile MyTouch 3G Slide was announced. It will be available June 2nd at T-Mobile retail stores and select dealers. The availability on the 16th comes uh, from our, on T-Mobile.com. It will be available in three different colors, black, white, and red. The MyTouch 3G Slide will be available for $180 after a $50 mail-in rebate with a new two-year agreement. So you're looking for a desire, but you want a QWERTY keyboard for it? Well, the HTC Vision 
could be the Vision in your future. The Vision is a 3.7-inch WVGA display sideways or landscape slider with a 5 megapixel camera and a 1 gigahertz processor. This thing literally looks exactly like the Desire with the keyboard underneath it. So we'll see what happens ultimately with this one, but it looks like it's headed for T-Mobile. Not sure if that means T-Mobile in Europe or T-Mobile here in the U.S. Also this week, the Motorola Shadow, a device that could be another successor in the Droid line on Verizon, got leaked out. It's about a 4.1 to 4.3 inch WVGA display with an 8 megapixel camera, 720p video recording, and a TI OMAP 3630 processor. Looks like it'll be capable of outputting 1080p video thanks to the PowerVR SGX 530 GPU and also being as thin as 9 millimeters. Not sure anything else on this one, but it looks like it'll be out later in July. Specs are very similar to the HTC Incredible. This one just from Motorola. The Samsung Bada OS is about to arrive in the UK on Vodafone, the Samsung Wave being the first device for it, and it will launch June 1st for free or on a 25 or for free on a 25 pound per month or higher plan and a two-year contract. Key features on the device include high resolution display, five megapixel camera, and GPS. Well, software news in a moment. First, a word about another way you can support the Cell Phone Junkie. If you enjoy this show, so why not help us out by subscribing to TCPJ Unlocked, the bi-monthly premium podcast for only $5 per month or $45 a year. You can help keep us bringing you the latest in cellular news each and every week. Sign up is easy. Visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link on the right for TCPJ Unlocked. Then click subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Thanks to everyone who is already supporting us with their subscription. Another side note on this one too, um, this is the, the subscription that you get for this, the Unlock show is all manually done. So once you subscribe to the show, um, you're going to get an email from me that explains to you how you can set up any client that you have to download the show. So it's a premium show, so it requires a username and a password. And so as soon as I get um, your subscription, as soon as it comes through, I'll send you out the information on how you can get uh, pulled into iTunes or any other podcatcher or anything like that. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's an interesting proposition. This is something very different for those uh, of us that have never had a paid podcast before. And so just, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. I'm always there to help you out. I was working with someone until late into the hours uh, on Friday evening, getting them set up to download the show uh, on, I think, I don't even remember what what service it was, but they were trying to figure out how to do it. And, um, you know, I'll be there to help you out. So don't worry about uh, if you get your, you get subscribed and then you go, okay, now what? I'll help you get it all set up. So you're getting each and every show on time. And thanks to everybody again, who has subscribed to it already. More news from the Google I.O. conference out of San Francisco. The announcement of Android 2.2, also known as Froyo. This builds on Android 2.1 Eclair and offers a number of improvements. The largest feature is the built-in support for tethering and Wi-Fi hotspots. It also has a refreshed home screen, adding permanent links to phone, web, alongside a menu key. Google has also taken plans, uh, pains to improve the performance of applications in the Android market. Users can now update all of their applications in one step rather than each at a time. Google also said that users can choose to have their applications automatically updated without having to go in and manually do so. Android 2.2 also takes advantage of the Dalvik Virtual Machine, a tool that improves the speed of the platform incorporating a just-in-time compiler 
making applications five to 10 times faster than with Android 2.1. 2.2 is now more Microsoft Exchange friendly, including features such as auto discovery, contact sync, and improved security controls. Google says that it has boosted JavaScript performance in the browser to make it faster as well. The browser now includes Adobe Flash Player 10.1, Some of the new APIs in 2.2 will help move user and application data from device to device. Among other new features, Android users will now be able to store apps on the external memory instead of the device's internal storage. This should allow for larger applications, which will include more advanced games. The Google app market also has has long had a web component to browser applications, but now users can choose an app from the web-based market and the phone will start downloading the app automatically. Additionally, Google will be offering a streaming music service using an app on the desktop PC, users will be able to listen to their entire non-DRM'd music library over the air on their Android phones. Android 2.2 Froyo is available to owners of the Nexus One and Motorola Droid coming in the near future. In fact, they said that the Nexus One would be getting the update within a few weeks, and lo and behold, it hit the developer units that were handed out at the conference just this weekend. It also appears that people have dug into it and have actually found the link to where you can download this code uh, or download the update and get it installed in your device. So if you do not have a developer Nexus One, you are still able to download it. Boy, Joey, this is a big announcement here. And, you know, the Google I.O. conference had a lot of news come out of it. I don't know, it kind of gets me excited again for Android. What do you think? I think it's uh, great. It's uh, obviously, whenever we've got a new update, we've got a lot of new features. And I know there's a, a ton of things behind the scenes that really aren't on the front end that they improve upon. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's just so much to it. And it's obviously great for the consumer. Well, if you've got one of the other current Android devices, you'll probably be able to get an update for it sometime in 2010. They're saying that all phones released within the past five months will be getting uh, the Froyo update. So that means the Desire, the Incredible, uh, the Evo, the MyTouch, and, you know, all of these devices will be getting it. As far as older versions, eh, it's kind of hit and miss at this point. The Android team has already confirmed that the HTC G1 will not be able to upgrade to Froyo. It doesn't have enough memory to hold the new OS. And what about the next version? Today is Froyo. Tomorrow is Gingerbread. Google says that Gingerbread will be released sometime in the fourth quarter of 2010. I find that a very touching coincidence. They'll be just coming up on the holiday season. Google giving us Gingerbread. Adobe introducing Flash Player 10.1 pre-beta for Android. This version allows the uh, devices running 2.2 software and up to have the player built into the browser, allowing for Flash uh, web-based flash content to play uh, the same way it does on desktop browsers and according to adobe it will support touch gestures accelerometers and smart scaling to fit the screen and quote just work we'll see what ends up happening with this one i've already seen some early reports of people that have got the 10.1 installed and it's been kind of hit and miss it's been working okay for some people and other people say oh look at that it crashed go figure so anyway we'll see what happens with that one the Amazon Kindle application coming to Android this summer. This is uh, for the Android user that wants to read all of their Kindle books, and they can do the, so for uh, all 540,000 books that are available. It will use the WhisperSync feature to synchronize all purchases and locations of where you stopped reading in those purchases, so you can easily switch around from iPhone to BlackBerry to PC to Mac to Kindle and back to your Android device without losing a beat. So good news for those that have Android devices. Also, AT&T extending the account management app over to Android. So if you've got an AT&T device, you can now download and manage 
all of your account information directly from your device. It's available for free in the Android market called My Wireless Mobile. Well, after the leaked version of the ROM hit last week, we knew it was only a matter of time before the official version of the Sprint HTC 2.1 update would hit. It did indeed this week. It includes enhancements to the Sense UI, uh, enhanced corporate email support, and a variety of bug fixes. 2.1 for your hero should arrive over the air, but for those that want to update manually, we've got a link in the notes for instructions on how to do so. The BlackBerry Internet Service 3.1, the latest version of the BIS that addresses the following items, wireless contract synchronization support. Uh, Synchronizations will be scheduled to occur every four hours. BIS users can no longer log into their account through their computer, swap the pin, and use a different device. Starting with this new version of the BIS, you'll first need to insert the SIM card currently tied to your BIS account into the new phone, log into BIS, and then swap the pin and proceed to the handset. CDMA users will have to contact their carrier first, meaning that you'll have to move your device over to the uh, to your new device onto your account before you can then go into your BIS account and make that switch over. So uh, kind of some interesting changes there. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I've uh, been using, I guess it's the 3.0 uh, BIS here this past week with uh, the test device I have, the 9650. And overall, I mean, it, it's, it's working just fine. Emails are coming in fine. But Joey, I, I, I wanted to ask you and ask anyone else that's out there, how in the world do you get the enhanced Gmail plugin installed? I, I don't know if you've ever installed Gmail on a BlackBerry. I'm having a heck of a time here. It's, it's like any other account for me. It, it doesn't do anything other than um, just push email out to me, but it, 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 I have no archive features. I've got no labels. I've got none of the, none of the great stuff that the black, the enhanced uh, Gmail enhanced add-on is supposed to have. And I know we had a question about it a couple of weeks ago. We gave some advice on how to do it. I tried it and it didn't work. So I don't know what's going on with this thing. I am not sure, Mickey. I, I didn't get a chance to try that out on the BlackBerry that I had. And um, I know I know it was a feature that they hadn't rolled out at first right away. It, it is out now, isn't it, Mickey? It, it's supposed yeah. to be available. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, they, they claim that you're supposed to be able to do the contact sync. So I, that, that's kind of strange. It, you can't figure it out. But it also could be a device incompatibility with the, the brand new Bold as well. Maybe a software update on Google side or BlackBerry side will help that out. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I've tried all sorts of different things. BlackBerry.com slash Gmail. I've I've actually downloaded it. It I'm 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 looking at it sitting here in my my add-on services list. It's on the phone, but it's not connecting with the mail and making it work. It's I don't know. I spent enough hours on it. I just finally gave up and said whatever. I'm just using the regular mail client and dealing with it. So anyway, nonetheless, a little bit annoying. Though I have got the new Twitter application working very well, and there has been an update. They released it this week uh, for the those using the BlackBerry beta. Uh, version of the Twitter application. The update adds requested features including geotagging tweets, shortcuts, usability enhancements, and editable retweets. The updated application will include a safeguard warning the user when he or she is sharing personal information such as their PIN or phone number. The update can be downloaded from the BlackBerry App World. And the BlackBerry Enterprise Server version 5.0 Service Pack 1 maintenance release came out this week. So you IT administrators out there looking for the update, it is now here. It fixes problems related to BEZ activation, uh, the BEZ MDS connection service, BlackBerry policy service, and device calendar synchronization, among other issues. Joey, did you pick up this service pack yet this week? No, not yet. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure when I'll get that scheduled. So, And, and I actually didn't um find it's ex, uh, specifically states that i can use it on my my bez express so uh the version numbers that they 
uh, required in the readme document wasn't what I had. So I, I've got to do a little bit more research on that. Okay. Well, da- uh, you can download it and you can get the update directly from blackberry.com slash downloads or the link that we throw in the notes. One of the new items that has been found in the latest build of the iPhone, iPhone OS that is, is a page that allows for configuration of internet tethering. Interestingly, the page directs the customer to contact AT&T, possibly signaling the impending addition of the service to the iPhone here in the United States. We'll see what happens with this one. AT&T has been uh, holding out on tethering for us here for quite a while. Slacker Radio announced that they have submitted their second version of the software for the Apple iPhone for approval by Apple. Notably, in the new version is the ability to cache stations for or on the iPhone for offline playback, meaning if you're in an area with no coverage, such as a plane, you can still listen to your Slacker stations. Additional features include enabling of that 25 or that caching on up to 25 stations. Wi-Fi caching takes about three to five minutes per station, and since you're not able to start the process and leave the application, though you're stuck watching it download the content. Though the cached content is available for those that subscribe to the Slacker Radio Plus package running $4 per month. While the application has been visible in iTunes for quite a while, the Twitter for iPhone application is now available and is basically a direct copy of Tweety 2.0, the application that they purchased just last month and now made it available for download under the Twitter name. The app does not offer any significant improvements over the last version and search has been improved though, now displaying top tweets as well as Twitter users in your search results. It now lets users browse Twitter without signing into an account or create an an account directly on the Twitter application. Though unlike Tweety2, Twitter for iPhone is a free download. Tweety users will find the app replaced with their new version after the app update. Seismic today introduced Seismic for the iPhone. It's a social networking application offering a single platform, allowing users to interact with all of their social networks. Some of the services include Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, Tumblr, LinkedIn, Flickr, Blogger, Ping.fm, and Evernote. The application lets users update and delete their statuses, post links, upload pictures, geotag updates, and access user profiles. Seismic for iPhone also lets users organize their accounts. It is a free download from the iPhone apps store. And interestingly, you heard that I said Evernote in there. Well, guess what? Seismic and Evernote have now created a very neat thing here. You're reading through your tweets in the Seismic application on the iPhone, and uh, you find something that you want to save. There's a button at the bottom of the page. You click on it and say, send to Evernote. It launches your Evernote account on the device and then saves it to there so you can follow up on it later without having to favorite device or favorite uh, post there to read later. So kind of a neat thing. I'm a big Evernote user, and so this was a, a fun one for me to find today. And so I wanted to pass that on. Besides that AT&T tethering, uh, iPhone Beta 4 does have some exciting information about the possibility of LED flashes in upcoming devices. In the code, it looks like we're seeing flash messaging for both the iPhone, iPod, and also the iPad. So we'll see what happens with that one. Not only a camera possibly coming, but a camera with a flash coming to both the iPod and the iPad. Interestingly, the message that uh, is quoted in these is showing... Uh, that the, quote, iPhone needs to cool down before you can use the flash. So maybe if you're using your device and it gets a little bit too hot, it won't allow you to launch and take a picture with that flash because the phone is too warm. Well, the phone, but the flash itself, I think there's probably a time because those those new flashes are insanely bright on, you know, these little LED flashes are amazing. So they, you can only run them for a certain amount of time before they probably have to 
uh, shut down to cool off a little bit. But that'll be kind of nice to have a flash. I mean, the iPhone's supposed to be this amazing, great phone, but they're still missing some pretty basic features here. I know, I know. But you know what I have to say? I think that they've done a good job with, uh, you know, creating the best possible. Joey's smirking at me. I'm trying to justify the fact that the camera is crap. <laughs> they're cre- they're doing a very good job of making people want to buy the next generation year after year. No comment. We move on to talk about the WebOS. Palm and Facebook made a minor update to WebOS devices. Facebook 1.2.1 for the Pre and Pixie addressing bugs and performance issues. According to the T-Mobile community forums, the latest version of the software designed for the HTC HD2 is now available for download. T-Mobile mentions that the update will result in a master reset of the device, and any installed items on the device, not including those on the microSD card, will be erased. The update provides stability and performance improvements and an added My Account application for managing your T-Mobile account on the go from your handset. Facebook has partnered with 50 different wireless carriers to offer a new version of the popular social network working site that will not cost the consumer. The site can be found at zero.facebook.com and will be a text-only version of the site to function better on the mobile phone. The new site is available in 40 countries around the world. However, the U.S. is not yet included. Participating carriers have committed to offering at least 12 months of free access to the site. They include Telenor in Denmark, Digicel in Barbados, Tim in Brazil, Claro in Honduras, and T-Mobile in Hungary. Verizon Wireless announcing the expanded availability of its Fios mobile applications. Starting immediately, the Droid Eris, Incredible, and Touch Pro 2 from HTC can all download and run the Fios TV mobile remote application. This app allows for devices to act as remote controls for their Fios TVs. Additionally, Verizon Wireless said that its remote DVR manager application now works on over 50 Verizon Wireless handsets. The Verizon DVR manager lets Verizon customers control their Fios DVR, check the guide, schedule recordings, and delete old items. Both applications are a free download. Let's move into some questions and comments this week. We've got a lot of ones and a lot of them related to travel. We're coming up on Memorial Day weekend here, so it's just fitting that we start talking about travel and things that you need to know what you want to do with your phone. So first is a question from Scott. He says, hi, Mickey and Joey. Thanks for keeping a good thing going. A question for you. What's the best way you know to use an iPhone overseas for data? I'm heading off again in June for my fourth business trip this year outside the US, and it seems like I get screwed every time by AT&T. I finally think I figured out why I get data, data overage charges despite using the international data plan. It's all about the billing cycle. If I activate via uh, application halfway through the cycle, I only pay in, for and get half of the data covered for that cycle. So if I want the full, say, 50 megabytes, and I'm leaving on my trip halfway through the bill cycle, I need to call an AT&T international rep and tell them to backdate my plan to the beginning of the cycle. Then I need to track my data and reset it when the new billing cycle starts if I'm still outside the U.S. Unfortunately, no rep has ever been able to intelligently explain this to me. They make more money if I if I misunderstand. But fortunately, I rediscovered a formal colleague who is a director of AT&T for their training department, and hopefully he'll let me know if my theory is right. My last trip, I used Skype on the iPhone, which was a bargain over Wi-Fi on the iPass Connect app, which should have been a bargain at $10 for a single month, but today I got billed for $167 in overages. Buried in the iPass uh, user agreement, it is a clause stating that there is a time, not data limit, of something like 250 minutes in the billing cycle. I spoke with the iPass support person 
uh, to appeal the bill today. So we'll see how that goes. The iPass Connect app has no timer in it either. It is important to log out of each hotspot in the iPass application when you're done so you can stop the meter. So that brings me back to my original question. What do you recommend as the cheapest way to use data internationally on the iPhone, including over Wi-Fi? I'm back in Germany soon, so I appreciate any advice. All right, Scott. So the cheapest way that you can do this is to get your iPhone unlocked and use a local prepaid SIM card for the country that you're visiting. As you've uh, obviously found, AT&T does have plans that can get you uh, into a roaming situation, but it's not really a bargain. Though because it's convenient, many people choose to go that route to ensure that there are no issues in making or receiving calls. Obviously, the idea of having an add-on data plan still allows you to use your phone for calling and texting and stuff like that, which, again, is still not a great you know plan, but you can obviously get international plans to knock down that charge a little bit as well. Though a local SIM will allow data usage for rates that are much better. In Germany, there are four main carriers to take a look at. It's T-Mobile, Vodafone, E plus and O2 and each has prepaid data traffic at about 24 euro cents per meg. That's roughly a quarter of the cost of what AT&T charges. Uh, the best way I, c- I found to travel is to have a multifaceted approach though. So let me kind of explain how I did this here and then you can kind of decide what you want to do. Um, I did use the iPhone while I was traveling internationally last year, but it was only on Wi-Fi networks, really in hotels. Um, I used TruePhone's True Standard plan, which had no monthly costs and about five cent per minute calls. So I was able to log on to the Wi-Fi hotspot, launch the application, and make calls for only five cents a minute. It ran perfectly on the iPhone, and I was pretty pleased with it. For data on the go, which I tried to do very sparingly, but I used a tethering program uh, called Joyku Spot. It is free uh, for non-secure sites on Nokia Symbian devices to create a mobile hotspot over Wi-Fi. Uh, I actually had purchased that an, an E, I think it was 75, or yeah, I think it was an E75 handset to use while I was traveling. And so I took that one and that was what I installed the Joyku Spot program on and then popped in the SIM card and shared that connection and everything was hunky-dory. Kind of complicated, yes, but it was definitely cheaper than AT&T. So kind of keep those in mind as, as you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Now, Joey, I know you've got some experience here with international plans and stuff like that. Now, they're not iPhone plans though, that you've worked with, but on the BlackBerry side, there's actually a, a pretty good deal. Yeah, you know, I've got a it, it, Sprint and both Verizon offer international services for BlackBerry. If you have a um, a Tour, Storm, or whatever the dual mode devices that they have for BlackBerry, so there's the eighty eight thirty on the older side, um, and the the new Bold, of course, as well. Uh, it's seventy dollars a month for unlimited uh, international roaming data, and with some of these brand new devices, they actually have three G. Uh, capable as well so that is another option that's a nice flat rate and you don't have to worry about unexpected data charges yeah that's a pretty nice way to go i think but you know for the iphone i would say either you know do what you do suck it up and and pay the you know the chart the money to at&t if you don't want to you know mess around with anything else Otherwise, if you want to, you know, get it unlocked, you're going to have to go through a total rigmarole. But you know, if you're interested in doing it, you can certainly can, and then you can install or insert, I should say, any SIM card from the country that you're at and uh, take advantage of much cheaper per meg, char- you know, roaming there. And if you know all you're wanting to do is email, it's probably a good way to go. Uh, like I said, I, I try to mostly just use my. De- excuse me, my device in a hotel. And um, anyway, it, it, it worked out for the most part for me. So anyway, that's kind of where I would go with that. 
Next one's a question from Emmanuel. He says, Mickey and Joey, first of all, really enjoy your podcast each week. They are very informative. I'm currently a Sprint customer and an owner of the Palm Pre. I'll be traveling to Europe, Germany, and Holland and Israel in July. Can you give me any recommendations uh, to buy a cheap, unlocked GSM phone that I can use in these countries? I will mainly be uh, mainly use it to make phone calls locally to friends and family in those countries and to also call back to the U.S. as needed. I don't think I will need to use it, though, for data. I believe that I can get an international roaming plan for my pre in Israel, but the roaming charges are pretty high. Is there any way to use the pre in Germany uh, since it's a CDMA device? Thanks, and keep up the good work, Emmanuel. Uh, first questions first, though. Cheap unlocked devices for Emmanuel. Um, eBay, Craigslist. Uh, also check around with friends to see if you know anyone that's got an old AT&T or T-Mobile device that they're not using. Maybe borrow it for the time and uh, get it unlocked online, and you know you can use that. So you could, you could get a GSM phone to do it that way. Uh, got to make sure you got the right bands, though. You got to make sure you have a quad band or the, the ones that will have the right uh, European bands that you need because not all of the AT&T and T-Mobile phones support that. That's a very good point. You're going to be traveling in countries that are using two uh, GSM frequencies, 9 and 1800s. You'll be just fine for phone calls and text messages and the like, uh, though if you're looking to do any data stuff, if you want 3G, 2100 is what you want to know. The Pre, it's a CDMA-only device. Interestingly, I found there are networks on cdma in tel aviv so if you want to use it there you could you're right though the rates are pretty high about two dollars a minute uh, though germany is a different story you're not going to be able to find any service there it's necessary to get that gsm device while traveling through europe as far as what service to get uh, there are a number of options out there uh, we just kind of talked about a few of them with the last question here but i'm going to recommend you check out a post and i'll link it in the show notes go to uh, the cellphonejunkie.com and then under question from Emmanuel, just click on that and you'll see what I did while I traveled here and the devices that I used and how I kept them powered up and stuff like that. But then also the services, um, Max Rome is a good service if you want to use a service that will allow you to travel within all of those countries and uh, give you relatively good rates. They're, they're not terrible. Also, uh, TruePhone also now has a service that you can use that will it will give you a U.S. number, which is probably the nicer thing about the TruePhone service. Get a U.S. number and forward all your phone calls from your phone over to that, and uh, then you're you're good to go there. And you can take that one around. Uh, data is a little bit high, though. I think it's like five dollars a meg or something like that. But both Maxroom and TruePhone are like that. But those SIM cards are actually pretty nice to use when you're traveling through multiple countries. Um, a local SIM card is good if you're going to be in one country, but once you leave that country, the roaming charges are just going to deplete that one very, very quickly. I found that one out very, very fast. Um, and then also, like I said, as far as you know, devices that are out there. Um, check online, see if you can find someone. If all it is, if, if truthfully all you're looking to do is make phone calls, um, find yourself a T-Mobile or AT&T device that someone's not using. Um, I, I'm sure someone's got an AT&T Razor laying around, and I'm pretty sure that's a quad band device. So you could use something like that. Just you know, get it unlocked online, and you'll be good to go. So a, a lot of different options there of things to do. Uh, but like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes here so you can see what I did. Again, complicated, yes, but it certainly worked, and uh, I had no problems with what I was doing with it. So there you go. 
Next is a question from Ryan. He says, as you know, we can only sync one exchange account with the current version of the iPhone software. Do you know of a way I can sync my Google Calendar and contacts other than with Exchange? I need to sync my work stuff and it's only Exchange. I still need my Google data as well. Any help would be great. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, Ryan. Well, you know, the official way that Google wants us to synchronize all of our information is through the Exchange functionality that they have, though that requires you to set up the exchange account on the device. And if you've already got one through your work, that is not going to work. But I'm going to put a link in the show notes anyway, in case you are interested in setting up uh, your Google stuff on your iPhone. Calendar is coming to syncing via the Gmail mail setup, i.e. IMAP, but not until the 4.0 release. So this is something where when you go in and synchronize for the first time, set up synchronization with your Gmail, it's going to ask you if you want to synchronize your calendars and actually also your notes. So it's a non-exchange version and that will be coming though, not until the 4.0. In the meantime though, CalDev is your answer. Uh, there's a link that I'll put in here. It's a step-by-step setup of how this is done. Uh, it's it's a pretty simple way. You go into settings and then you go into mail context calendar and you go to other and then you click on add CalDev account. Uh, there's going to be a lot of information that you're going to enter in there and then you'll be able to choose the calendars that you want to synchronize. So that's going to be pretty good for you. It'll work, uh, should work no problem here and that'll get your calendar sync up, synced up on your iPhone. Though contacts, I got to say, I would highly recommend merging and maintaining one list of contacts. I've been trying pretty unsuccessfully, I will say, two lists of contacts in the past. I'm really not a fan of doing this. Uh, I find it easier to have one master list of contacts. That way I'm not trying to you know, update different things. I, you get duplication, you get different information and different things, you get different phone numbers. Different, I mean, it's, it's a mess. Um, though if anyone out there is got a way to synchronize contacts that can help Ryan out for your iPhone outside of the traditional synchronize your, your contacts via the Google over the air thing, I would love to know. When I first read this, I thought, hey, just plug it into your iPhone and choose your contacts and you've got all your contacts on your computer. But when you do that, it wipes everything out that you've got synced over the exchange way. I don't know really how to do this other than to say, go to the web app and click on contacts. Uh, That seems to be about the only way I can think of to do it. And um, again, I like one list of contacts. I feel like I'm one person. I need one list of contacts, one calendar. It just, it works better for me, Joey. Well, you know, I I don't do real well. Sometimes I'm calling you on numbers where you don't want me to be calling you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't ever do that, but I don't know. Any <laughs> other thoughts for Ryan on this one? No, I really don't because it is very complicated and, and difficult to do to maintain these, you know, separate accounts without the phone supporting multiple exchange accounts because that's the way, you know, Gmail really, re, you know, really supports this stuff which is nice it does now support it but now we're really showing the limitations that we only have uh, you know one uh, account available yeah there's uh boy i think we should you know we'll see something come with this and we like i said we'll you'll be able to get at least the calendars synced up here but um yeah it's, it's a little bit tough when you're trying to do that maybe maybe time to uh to try and figure out a consolidation method well um aren't we going to see that with with os4 the the multiple exchange account support so I, yeah, what. that's what I mean. But but you're you're going to eventually see it. But it's I'm trying to think of how this is going to work with contacts. Um, how it's yeah, going to? I don't know. They may meld. have separate. They may have separate and distinct contact list. I don't know if they're going to put the phone in charge of actually uh, syncing because uh, then the phone will have to have logic to keep lists uh, matched. Which I don't know if it'll do. It'll, you'll probably have to choose which contact list you you want to pull from, or it'll just merge the two, and then you'll have duplicates of everything. 
I don't know. Currently, I'm looking here. I, I've got a when I go into address book, I've got I can go into the groups and it will show me my contacts, and then it will also show me the Google global address list, which is essentially all of my contacts that I can search. You know, that are not synced over, which are just sitting in contacts, which is. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, uh, it is possible, uh, though, to to manage some lists in Google and stuff like that. So maybe that's your answer. But again, if you're already syncing with Exchange, that's not going to fix it for you because then you're going to pull. Yeah, you're going to have to delete all your Exchange on there. So yeah, just move all those contacts over to Exchange and uh, that's your answer. Not the one you wanted. But anyway, if anyone's got a better you know way to do this for Ryan, please let me know. I'll pass it on to him. Next is a question from Scott. He says, Mickey and Joey, hi again. I'm still very confused after looking through the links you provided in your show to me two weeks ago. I was looking on the GoPhone plans from AT&T, but the $3 per day plan doesn't include any data for use with an iPhone. Really, are there prepaid plans for just a month or just a month? The way to go for an unlocked iPhone in the US. My phone is totally unlocked, which I can use with any provider SIM card on the iPhone 3GS. If there, the Go plan phone plans aren't the the way to go, so I can use data and talk on my phone. Would I be better off not bothering with using my iPhone in the states and just buy a prepaid option from either Boost or Virgin Mobile? I really only wanted to use the iPhone for emergency calls and get a 3G USB stick to use with my netbook while in the states. I assume that the iPhone plan uh, plans unlimited data would only be available on a contract plan for two years and that's something i just don't need thanks guys i hope we can find an option or a 3g data stick soon as there are many options just as confusing for someone who isn't as familiar with the usa and how phones and plans there work uh thanks scott okay scott so first of all uh you're talking about um a couple of different things here uh taking your your iphone to the u.s here and using it here uh, and then also using a 3g usb stick Yes, the prepaid plans, um, I think, are probably the way to go. They are costly, though I think, I think it's probably going to make it the easiest. If you sign up for an iPhone plan, you're going to pay a significant amount of money just to use it for the, the, the time that you're here, and then you're going to cancel, pay that ETF. That is if you're able to pass a credit check at all here in the U.S. That's a whole other thing. So I just I don't think that's the right way to go. Um, but if it worst came to worst, you, I guess you could go and get an AT&T plan. You could do something from Booster Virgin. Of course, it would work fine, but then you're purchasing hardware, dealing with a device that doesn't work when you get home. You're going to have to sell it, and you're going to have to deal with that. So the the one thing that I would say on the on the Boost side, though, is if you want to go get a Boost USB stick, that would if you just want to do that, that would probably be okay. Um, I would say check out eBay, you know, Craigslist stuff like that, and see if you can find a used one that you can pick up that someone's not using anymore. Activate it and just use it for the time that you're here, and then you've got your three G data. That is probably the one CDMA side that I would recommend for you to go with this. Um, though T-Mobile, um, I think may be a good alternative for you. There's a couple of different things. T-Mobile's to-go plan doesn't have data, but it could get you voice and text uh, if you're wanting to do that while you're here. But even better than that, T-Mobile has a postpaid no contract plan that would work for you, though it would be edge only. And uh, it's called the Even More Plus plan. It starts at $60 per month. That gives you 500 minutes, unlimited talk, and unlimited texting. Uh, well, you wouldn't be, and also unlimited data. You're not signing a contract with this one, um, but you do have to deal, I think, with a credit check and also pay an activation fee. So uh, you could take a look at one of these plans, which is going to include. Um, this is actually, I think, a pretty good deal if you want to just get edge on the iPhone. One of these uh, T-Mobile 
uh, even more plus plan. So I would love to get them, um, get you to take a look at that too. There's no real easy way, which leads me to another. If you're a listener out there and you're outside the U.S. and you've traveled here and you're in a similar situation uh, where you didn't want to pay roaming fees and you had an unlocked device, iPhone or not iPhone, how did you deal with that? Our prepaid system is a bit antiquated. We don't have a lot of data options. It's annoying. I, I've wanted to get prepaid data options here personally in the past, and I, I'm just it's it's not real good. No, and then we've got the split between the you know the 3G with the AWS spectrum on T-Mobile on 1700 that makes it even more worse. So it's it's just not a good market for it at all. Yeah, I I, I don't have a clear answer. That's why I'm trying to kind of guide you in some directions here. If you want that USB stick, maybe check out something from Boost Mobile. I think you can get, you know, I think it's 50 bucks a month. You can get unlimited data that way. Um, that T-Mobile uh, no contract plan, I think may be a good way to go. Again, it, it would be 3G, but you got to have an AWS device, which there are no AWS iPhones out there. So I know what yours isn't one of them. So it'd be edge only, but you'd still have edge speeds and you could do it. Um, you're going to pay probably all said and done about $100 for that though. And I move back to what's, you know, what's it worth to you? Are you maybe just, would it be better off just getting some sort of international roaming package from your current provider? Um, if you've got an unlocked iPhone, I'm not sure if it's a jailbroken or if this was a, an unlocked one that you got from your carrier, which could certainly be the case, but you know, if it's jailbroken, um, you know, possibly get that, that my why application that allows you to share, um, your, your connection over the wireless and take advantage of the roaming plan that you've got on there. So um, again, it's not going to be cheap though. Um, I, I really wish I had a better option. And like I said, anyone who's outside the U S that's done this thing before, please let us, let me know what you've done. Questions at the cell phone junkie.com. And uh, we'll pass it on to Scott because um, you know, the greatest thing is would be to hear from somebody who's actually used this before uh, been in the situation and use something that works for them. Cause I think it'd be really, really great to hear. Finally today, a question from Twitter Someone says, I'm a sharp cat, but I've heard so many different stories on cell battery conditioning that my head is swimming. In forum threads, you will see links to studies disputing what either side says. Can you help sort out the nonsense? Okay, so lithium-ion batteries. The conditioning that you do with a lithium-ion battery is much different than older technologies. Now, the best way to charge your batteries to do so really whenever you can, realizing that a battery has a set number of cycles. So take a look at, um, as an example, if you use a battery all the way up, charge it all the way back up, that's one cycle. If you use it till it gets down to 50%, charge it back up, use it till it gets down to 50%, then charge it back up. That's the same one cycle. It's essentially a, it's a, a collaborative amount of time or percentage that this battery is being used. So most phone batteries nowadays are rated for approximately 300 cycles. So a, as a user of multiple devices, I charge all my devices pretty much every night. Um, I never have had an issue with my battery, essentially because I'm using them part of the way down and I'm charging it back up. Um, I've had devices that have been in service for up to three years now. My wife's iPhone is a perfect example. It's still working pretty much okay. It's starting to you know, feel the effects of being an older battery, but it's really not all that bad. I mean, she oftentimes forgets to charge it at night and can go a second day, really no problem. The one thing you never want to do with your battery is charge it up part way, unplug it, and then use it. Um, you'll get into a problem where the, the phone will start to fail prematurely. This happens a lot of times when you've got car kits where you're charging it up for just like 20 minutes while you're on a drive. Um, 
the phone will rarely get charged up if you use these types of services. I would say using them occasionally is okay, but it's just it's just not a real good way to go. You always want to charge it all the way up on the lithium-ion battery. There's no quote-unquote memory like you have with the nickel CAD and nickel metal hydride batteries, but um, it, it's still, it, this is a much better way. The battery technology is much better, and it's much better for the battery if you keep it charged up all the way, use it, you know, charge it up all the way. You're not going to hurt it by charging it up a lot. No, and it's it seems like um, you know it is possible for the 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 memory or the what, what the reporting of the battery to the device itself. If you do that kind of thing where you're talking about Mickey, where you kind of charge for twenty minutes at a time um, and never top it off, it, it'll get a little out of sync. So it, it it won't show you actually the kind of the correct battery level, um, and that's why you want to top it off. I would say when it comes to conditioning and going back to the word conditioning, I, I when I first get a battery. I try and, you know, I, I, as soon as I get it out of the box, it gets plugged into a charger. And even though I'm playing with it and doing a lot of things and whatnot, I'm still char- uh, you know, charging it, you know, to get it all the way charged up. Then I will typically use it as far down as I possibly can. So I'm trying to kind of give the battery the, the idea of the range that this thing can have. So I will charge it, you know, almost discharge it the entire way and then charge it back up. I may do it a second time. Sometimes I, I don't. I, I don't. It just I always try and do it once, and after that, it's okay. Um, like a laptop battery, I would also recommend every. I don't know if you can remember it every month. Good for you. Uh, but if not, every couple of months, discharge the thing all the way down. Just run it dry. Um, you, you know, if you can, let it sit there for a little bit, an hour or two, then plug it back in and charge it all the way back up. It's really going to help the lithium ion. Um, you, you, you may not notice it, but I guarantee you'll, it'll be like five or 10% better just because as Joey says, the, you, the, the mental, uh, hurdle that you have to get over from using your phone. And then all of a sudden watching it go from like 50% to 10% makes you feel like your battery is shot and it may not be shot. It may just be like he said, a reporting thing. So it's, um, it's something where if you are if you are nice to your battery and you've got this I call it a battery regiment where you can keep it you charge it up all the way when you plug it in I mean I will I will go as so far as you know making plugging in something and leaving a phone at home while I leave so I don't have to unplug it prematurely um, I know I'm weird but you know just it's I, I like to make sure that the batteries are are treated with care I'm a I'm hesitant about third party charging solutions I like to use traditional. Um, either accessories that are made for the device or um, the power cords that come with them. You can run into problems too if you charge up with power sources that are not made for it. I, I think, Joey, we've talked about this in the past. Maybe you've got a device that charges at half an amp and you plug in something that's you know an amp. It can sometimes you know be a little bit much for it. It could be, yeah, and it really, really depends on the device and what you're charging it with. You know, it's a, you know, speed can be a factor and in, in, in design, and of course, most of the current phones kind of can take um, whatever current they're provided with and and kind of uh, appropriately use it. So it it seems like now we don't have to quite worry about being overcurrent or or too little current. But again, Mickey, I, I do recommend with going uh, with the OEM. Um, uh, charger that you get with the f- device. That's usually the best way to go. Yeah, I, I think that's that's that probably makes sense. So um, anyway, it comes with your thing, with your phone, so may as well just use it, right? So that's the easy way to do it. Good questions this week. I like those. Lots of uh, informative things. And uh, so if you want to get in touch with us and send us an, a, a question via email or phone call, questions at com is the email address, or you can give us a call, 206 206- 
203-3734. And remember, if you want to get uh, entered, entered excuse me, into that contest, subscribe to The Unlock Show, and uh, you will be entered to win that, uh, that prize package. Over $250 in value, so it's a pretty good deal. Anyway, Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.